To all our listeners, this is our friendly disclaimer. Our purpose of this show is to inform the public of criminal cases that have been solved and unsolved. We gather our information through much research on the internet and other resources. If we do make any mistakes in the information provided, listeners are encouraged to contact us and provide us with the correct information. We mean no harm to the victims and their family. Our intentions are to bring light to these cases and help catch these criminals. Our listeners are encouraged to contact the correct law enforcement if they have any valuable information on these cases. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy our show. Hello everyone, it's Free, and welcome back to Midnight True Crime, where we discuss soft and unsolved cases. Today we have a guest co-host for you all. It'll be an honor to introduce him. Greg, would you please introduce yourself to our listeners? What's up everyone? I'm Greg. I'm honored to be a part of this show. Talking to you all is going to be so much fun. A little bit about myself is I have a small background in criminal justice, and I'm a huge fan of this show. I also love to play sports like football and basketball, and I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. Thank you, Greg, for the introduction. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend. Nisha and Greg, did you both do anything interesting this weekend? Uh, not really. I didn't really do anything but work. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing your weekend with us, Greg. Nisha, what was your weekend like? Well, the most interesting part of my weekend was working on these cases for you all. And I'm very excited to share with our listeners the intriguing cases we have laid out for them. Awesome. Before we begin diving into this case, I would like to mention the website charlieproject.org. This website is used as a source for this episode. The Charlie Project displays over 13,000 cold cases all over the U.S. Their mission is to bring light to the neglected missing persons cases across the country. They do not investigate missing people. However, they do educate the public on information about these missing people, such as their physical description and the circumstances in which they went missing. Why the name Charlie? I'm glad you asked. I was just about to get into that. Well, according to the Charlie Project's website, Charlie was a nickname given to a four-year-old boy named Charles Brewster Ross. Ross was abducted from his home in 1874 in Germantown, Pennsylvania. Wow, that's really awful. I'm scared to ask this, but was he ever found? He was never found. That's a heartbreak. I can't even imagine the pain and suffering that his family went through. It definitely hurts, but his family searched for him for the rest of their lives, and there was no evidence to prove what happened to him. It's a horrible thing to pass away and not know the fate of your son. Yeah, I agree. And unfortunately, there was no closure for his family. So if you guys want to learn more about these missing people, you can go to thecharlieproject.org. Now, onto the cases that we will be discussing today, which are very mysterious. These are two separate cases where um, there were two separate people who didn't know of each other, but went missing in the same city and under very similar circumstances. There is a theory out there that might explain exactly what happened to Terrence Williams and Felipe Santos. Ooh, I love me some mystery. Lay out to me, Ree. Perfect. Then you will love these cases. I'll definitely need your guys' input on what happened because I do agree with the main theory out there. So let's get right into it. Felipe Santos was a young, hardworking man that cared for his family very much. He was an undocumented immigrant from Mexico who lived in the U.S. for three years, but he worked various jobs to send money back to his family in Mexico. He was employed as a concrete or masonry worker, and his family, including his wife, daughter, and father, were living in 
I'm sorry, Nisha, can you help me pronounce the city? Oaxaca, Mexico. Thank you. At the early time of 6.30 a.m. on October 1st of 2003, Santos was driving to work in his 1988 white Ford with his two brothers in the car when all of a sudden he crashed into another vehicle. Thankfully, no one was hurt in this accident, but guys, I can't help but think that I wouldn't be telling you all this case if someone did get hurt in this accident. Why do you say that, Ree? Well, you're about to find out in a minute. Corporal Stephen Henry Calkins arrived at the scene of the accident. Southwest was cited by Corporal Calkins for reckless driving, driving without a license, and driving without insurance. The other driver noted that Calkins was upset that Santos lacked documentation. Once he was cited, he was driven away by Corporal Calkins in the patrol car. As the sun came up, Santos' boss called the booking station to bail him out. His boss was in for a shock. The officer at the station told him that Santos was never booked. Calkins was questioned and told them that he instead dropped Santos off at a Circle K because he changed his mind about arresting Santos. According to missingpersons.org, Calkins saw Santos walking towards the payphones and this became the last known sighting of Felipe Santos. Okay, I have a quick question. Do we know where the Circle K is? I'm not sure of the exact location, but the reports say it was a mile away from the accident scene. I did, however, look it up, and there was one Circle K that is less than a mile away from the accident. Um, it, it was like about 0.6 miles to be exact, and there was another Circle K that was 1.8 miles away. The accident occurred at the intersection of Airport Pulling Road and Immokalee Road in Naples, but the first Circle K I mentioned was in the plaza at the intersection. It was in the clear view from the accident scene. Let me repeat that. It was in the clear view from the accident scene. Missingpersons.org had mentioned that Santos was dropped off at the gas station at 10900 block of Winterview Drive in Naples, Florida. This makes me believe that it was the Circle K that was 0.6 miles away. It's insane how close that gas station is to the scene. Yep, it's crazy how you can see the gas station from the scene. After his disappearance, Santos' brother filed a complaint against Calkins, but he was quickly cleared of any wrongdoings. In November 2003, there was an issue of a warrant for his arrest for failing to appear in court for the hearing related to the car accident on the day he vanished. Now let's fast forward three months. On January 14, 2004, Terrence Williams was driving in the North Naples area when he saw cop lights in his mirror. Williams pulled over into the Naples Memorial Cemetery parking lot, and I imagine that he was nervous and scared. Have you guys ever been pulled over before? I actually have. <laughs> it was for a tag light <clears throat> that was out, and I, at the time I was very young, and I didn't know anything about that. How did you feel like? Well, my heart was racing. It was in the middle of the night in Fort Myers, and my heart was just pounding. Exactly. Imagine how Terrence felt. He had no valid driver's license, and the 1984 white Cadillac he was driving didn't belong to him. Now, the connection between Felipe Santos and Terrence Williams has arrived. Are you guys ready for this? Yep. Yeah, I've got my suspicions, but let's hear it. It was none other than Corporal Stephen Henry Calkins who pulled Williams over. The same Corporal St Stephen Henry Calkins that pulled over Felipe Santos three months prior. Um, what? Yeah, I know, right? 
Hawkins claims to have pulled over Williams for his car having six potentially moving violations. On top of that, he had no insurance and the car registration expired. Cemetery employees say they saw Williams get out of the car, pat down by Hawkins, and put into the patrol car. Other sources say that Williams' car broke down and Hawkins offered him a ride to the convenience store. Hawkins claims that Williams told him that he worked at a Circle K, which is about 10 minutes from the cemetery, and proceeded to drop Williams off there. No employees had contact with Hawkins. However, according to the Charlie Project, the press interview with a Circle K employee saw Hawkins enter the gas station in the morning to utilize the bathroom, and she saw Williams get gas into a gas container and leave the convenience store alone. The cemetery witnesses say that the corporal returned to the cemetery between 15 minutes to an hour later. According to the corporal, he left Williams at the gas station and went back to the cemetery where he would later on tow Williams' car. According to incident reports and witness statements, he moved the car to a location that would block the road and make the car look abandoned. He proceeded to call dispatch to report the car abandoned and obstructing the pathway of a road. He reclaimed that he moved the car to help the tow truck. On the, other, on the phone with the operator, Hawkins was heard using inappropriate language and called the car, quote-unquote, homie Cadillac. In my opinion, the, that comment has underlying racial tones. I agree. He also said the following to the operator, quote-unquote, maybe he's out there in the cemetery. He'll come back and his car will be gone. Hawkins claims to have called the Circle K to learn that Williams didn't work there and that he left the gas station, but records show that the call never took place. 20 minutes after he called for the tow truck, he requested a background check on Terrence Williams. He provided an inaccurate birthday in which Williams has used in the past, but this contradicts Hawkins' claims that he didn't know any personal information about Williams. Several agencies investigated this case, including the FBI, and showed that Hawkins was deceptive in the polygraph tests taken. These investigators examined the patrol car, retraced locations on Hawkins' GPS, and used cadaver dogs to survey these locations, but nothing came up from it. Wow, there are so many contradictions between what Hawkins did or said and what witnesses' testimony said. Now, do you see what I mean when I said that this could have turned out differently if someone was hurt? Yeah, I see now. After serving 17 years in the police department and having a clean record prior to these cases, he was eventually fired for violating the agency's policies and for being uncooperative during the investigation. Hawkins claims that they used him as a scapegoat in both cases. There are three sides to the story, however. Hawkins' side, Williams' side, and the truth. And in Felipe Santos' case, it's Hawkins' side, Santos' side, and the truth. I know I've learned so much interesting information at you all, but Nisha and Greg, I can't wait to hear your opinion on it all. Before I give my opinion, I want to give all of you an update on the case. I just read about this. There was not a major breakthrough or anything like that, but there are famous people that are being involved in this case to bring attention to it. One of them is the lawyer that represents Trayvon Martin, Mr. Benjamin Crump. Mr. Crump is a civil rights attorney that is representing Terrence Williams' family. He jumped on the bandwagon in August 2018 when he filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Calkins in which he alleged Williams is deceased, Calkins abducted and murdered Williams, 
and Calkins is responsible for William's death. I can't believe that Trayvon Martin's lawyer is involved in this case. That's huge. Yeah, the lawsuit seeks damages of up to $15,000, which in my opinion should be way more. When Crump went to serve these lawsuit papers to Calkins, there was a lot of drama. Calkins basically refused to be served initially. Crump's office has a link to a video that showed private investigators attempting to serve Calkins, but Calkins never answered the door. His neighbors testified that Calkins does live at that address, and they've seen him going in and out of the door, but he was trying to be refused uh, being served. Eventually, the Collier County Sheriff's visited him with the papers in the second attempt to serve him, and he finally came out from hiding. In October 2018, Calkins filed a response to the 47 claims in the lawsuit and requested a jury trial. In April 2019, lawyers representing Calkins asked the court to dismiss the civil case against him. Collier Circuit Judge Lauren Brody set the date for a motion to dismiss hearing for June 5th 2019 at 10 a.m. Crump offered Felipe Santos' family to represent them as well, but they declined to join the lawsuit. Was Crump the only famous person involved in this case? Along with Benjamin Crump, the famous Tyler Perry joined this fight, yes, by offering a reward of what was initially $100,000. It is now at $200,000 for any information on the disappearance of these two men. Thank you, Nisha, for the update. According to some sources, there are other theories of what happened to these men. The first one pertains to Terrence Williams. Some sources are saying that Terrence Williams vanished on his own free will. There are speculations that he could have done this to himself. The theory is that Williams owed a lot of money in child support and he was avoiding paying it. Williams has four children from four different women in Knoxville, Tennessee. There was a warrant issued for his arrest and that's one one crazy theory but the next theory is believable this theory is called the starlight tour theory now this theory has been talked about several times and is very famous in the podcast world what is this theory about well the theory originated in canada and occurred to other men before with proof it's a practice of police driving individuals far from their home or outside city limits and abandoning them to find their way back home This practice came to light in 2001. Two Canadian men proved that this occurred to them. I'm not sure why the police would do something like this, but I believe it's to show power over individuals and humiliate them and to basically show that police can do what they want when they want. I hate to think that that is possible, but what kind of world do we live in that the police think that they can do that and get away with it? It's absolutely disgusting and horrendous if you ask me. Do you think this theory can be possible? I sure do. So Nisha and Greg, I have delved into the case and laid out the facts. What do you both think happened to these men? To me, it seemed that Calkins' actions seemed very odd in the response to him being responsible for these two men's disappearance. And his, it was strange to me how his go-to response was Circle K for both men. I agree. Yeah, it, it's definitely strange, right? Yeah, like he could have said he could have said all these other gas station names or all these other places, and he wants to start Circle K. You know what? It seems like it seems like um, you know when you're put on the spot when you're lying and you always think of the previous lie. Definitely. And you you try to insert details from the previous lie. It's sort of like that. Yeah, definitely. And to me, 
um, it's, it's, just, it's just strange overall, you yeah. know? But I did notice that there were other gas stations around um, where they found Santos' car. And in what way is it protocol to let go of a person after arresting them and then contacting the operator? Yeah, it's... I've never heard of a case like that before. Yeah, and it was definitely weird how he seemed very uncooperative and he switched up his stories so many times. Maybe he called the operator just to say, just to have proof that he had called to like put it in paper that he actually called the operator Yeah, to report the car being there. Yeah. Um, and then also you did mention that they did do um, GPS tracking for his locations. I wish we could have had those locations because they might have, you know, they might have missed something and didn't double back at all. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? And I would like to just touch up upon the GPS tracking. Um I feel like it might be a possible cover-up. What do you think about that? That the police getting involved to cover up one of their own? Yeah. I mean, the GPS tracking led to nothing. But, like, I mean, okay, if he has, like, all these claims um, and they're all contradicting each other, there is hardcore proof out there, whether it be in the GPS tracking or, you know, uh, in the evidence from his car. But I I don't see why why it's not being shown on these, on these, uh, on the GPS or on uh, the evidence from the car. Right. Right, I do. Yeah, that is a good theory you have, that the police could have been covering up their own. Well, it's interesting. Well, I, I think Calkins probably killed both Santos and Terrence and dumped, dumped their body somewhere off in the cemetery. Interesting. Interesting. I To me, that brings up my theory, what could have possibly happened to them. I feel like since Rihanna brought up the Starlight Tour theory, I feel like that could have been an easy, easily you know, possible solution because right, the Everglades is right there and there are so many wooded areas around there. You know, it seems far-fetched for us normal people, I guess you would say, or to our listeners, because we don't hear stories about that. So yeah. it, that's why it seems far-fetched to us, but that doesn't mean that it occurs. Yeah, definitely. And that area is still, you know, being developed there's a lot of wooded area like there's the corkscrew sanctuary there's all these other wooded areas yeah and plus as a police officer you have to file every every report that you do also as a police officer you have to contact the dispatcher every like for every movement you do you have to call the dispatcher right yeah talking about um like evidence and stuff there was deception shown on his polygraph test. Oh, yes. Yeah. And um, deception only occurs if you're hiding something. I understand the polygraphs aren't accurate, but if you're making all these claims that are contradicting each other, the polygraph would be like somewhat proof. I know it, it can't be used. Yeah. And you know, Re, I also read that there are books out there where it can show you how to be deceptive on yeah, the polygraph yeah because a lot of people know how to lie on the polygraph exactly you know they read up and study these materials and i'm, I'm wondering if Hawkins was hiding something to the point where he had to read up on those materials to be deceptive in the polygraph that makes me think if it really was premeditated yeah yep so i'm gonna go in a little deep in this conversation 
Go ahead. And I want sure. both of your opinions on this. Sure. Um, so I first handedly experienced racism in this neighborhood. Um, this neighborhood is Naples, you know, that's where all the wealthy people go to vacation. You know, there's rich um, businesses and resorts there, and there's the beach right there. It's just a lot of wealthy people, right? And the yeah. pre- predominantly, sorry, the majority of wealthy people, and I'm not scared to say this, they're Caucasians, you know? Yeah. So they're obviously vacationing there. And yeah, if you go in this area, I mean, I've been there. I've like also <laughs> experienced racism in that area. Um, and it, it sucks. It really sucks. Yeah, and th- this brings up um, a couple points for me. So I thought about how we knew that, I believe Santos was driving an 88 um, car. And then um, Williams was driving an 84 car. You know, those show that they were really old cars. So Calkins you know, automatically targeted these cars because they're older, right? What wealthy person or Caucasian person will be driving, you know, a old beat up car? Ooh. Yeah, so I feel like that was an automatic target for cops. And that brings up this other point where you did mention that Calkins, when dealing with, I believe it was William's case, he, he spoke to the dispatcher and called it a homie Cadillac. Yeah, it's definitely racist. <laughs> yeah, it definitely it has racial motivation behind it. But to me, to conclude my theory on this is that to me it seemed that because Calkins was responsible, sorry, wasn't responsible for Santos' disappearance, he thought he could get away with it the second time mm-hmm. with Terrence Williams. Yeah. Can we just talk about the gas station really quickly for Santos' case? What I believe to be true that the gas station was only 0.6 miles away. I looked it up on Google Maps. He, he was in the car with his brothers. His brothers could have seen, they could have seen um, Calkins pull into that gas station from where they were. You're right. And I don't, I don't know why I don't see any um, statements on them. You know what it is? I think it's possible because they were undocumented that they didn't want to be themselves out there in the public like that maybe and they didn't want that scrutiny on them they wanted to stay here but it's so sad to know that you were the one of the few last people to see your own brother alive yeah it's definitely heartbreaking do you guys probably think that he probably threatened the brothers oh that is a good point yeah that could have been possible that is a possibility and do you think that's why, like, these news outlets never got their statements or why the police never got their statements? You're right. Well, we don't know for sure if the police didn't, did or did not get their statements. But, I mean, from all the reports that we've we went through, like, you know, it was a lot of reports and we didn't see anything about uh, these brothers' statements. Exactly. Well, I don't know, but to me, I, w- I wanted to be a police officer, but... Me, honestly, I don't really like the system that they go by because there's a lot of crooked cops out here. And to me, like I see a lot of good cops. And if the good cops try to do something good, they get penalized or they get talked down or basically get looked at differently from the other cops or the other like environment of the police station. Yes, um, but... Even though these are our personal experiences, we do on the show support law enforcement. 
the good ones. Yes, the good ones. Um, and we do realize that there are the bad cops, the bad people. We acknowledge in power. That. Yes, we do acknowledge it. Um, and we don't like it. I, <laughs> I feel like all of us can agree on the fact that our system has to change. Definitely. Most definitely. Well, thank you guys. Um, that was a very <laughs> intriguing conversation and discussion about this. And um, Greg, thank you so much for being on the show and for being um, a co-host for us. Definitely. We appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. So, Reed, can you give us a description for these men um, to our listeners, please? Of course. According to CollierSheriff.org, Terrence Williams was last seen wearing a short sleeve shirt, blue jeans, a brown Timberland boots, and he wore diamond earrings, a silver watch with white stones around the face. According to charlieproject.org, he has brown eyes. He was 5'8 at a weight of 160 pounds at the time of his disappearance. He had brown long dreadlocks at the time of his disappearance, a vertical surgical scar on his right shoulder, a dark birthmark on the side of his abdomen, three tattoos. The letter, the first one was the letter T in italic above the left side of his chest. The second tattoo was uh the letters ET in square blocking forms on his outer right shoulder. And the last tattoo was his name, Terrence. It was in red ink with blue highlighters on his left forearm. His right upper front tooth has a gold crown with the letter T in it. And his tooth to the right has solid gold cap with the letter T. According to ncmissingpersons.org, Felipe Santos was 24 years old at the time of his disappearance. He weighed 150 pounds, was at a height of 5'7", wore his black hair and ponytail, and has brown eyes. And for all of our lovely listeners, if you have any information relating to these cases, you can contact the Collier County Sheriff's Office at 239-252-9300. Or if you would like to remain anonymous, you can call Crime Stoppers at 800-780-780. 8477. You can follow us for updates and pictures relating to the cases on our Facebook page at Midnight True Crime Podcast, all lowercase letters, and on the gram at Midnight True Crime Podcast, all lowercase letters again. And for hints on our next case, you can contact us on Snapchat at M D N I G H T T R U C R I M E. If anyone would like to give us their own theories or add to this discussion, please comment on the IG or Facebook post relating to the case you would like to comment on. We would definitely love to hear from you all. This episode was made possible by the following sources. Wink News, Naples News, St. Petersburg's Time, USA Today, Investigation Discovery Network, CollegeSheriffs.org, investigationsforthemissing.org, charlieproject.org, wikipedia, and ncmissingperson.org. You can find the links to these sources on our Facebook page. Thank you to these sources for providing valuable information to make this episode possible. And don't forget the lovely Anna Barbell once said, the dead of midnight is the noon of thought.